Happy Pride Month, everybody. This month, we celebrate inclusion and diversity in the veterinary profession. And this week, we are so thrilled to bring to you a very special guest who's going to talk to us about pronouns and how we can be more welcoming for all people in our clinics this week on The Veterinary Viewfinder. Welcome back to The Veterinary Viewfinder, the podcast that tackles the toughest topics in veterinary medicine. And we have long lamented the fact of the lack of diversity and inclusion in our profession. And that doesn't mean that we don't have a lot of really interesting, diverse people. It's just that we don't always acknowledge it. And so sometimes it's really important to take the time, maybe even a month or so, and celebrate and to acknowledge and to determine how we can be better allies and co-workers and colleagues and just better human beings. And so this week, we've got a really better human being to join us today to talk about all things Pride Month. But before we get into that conversation, as always, I am one of your co-hosts, Dr. Ernie Ward. And I'm registered veterinary technician, Becky Mosser. And this week, we have a, a veterinary technician superstar. Super. Um, she is a former president of the National Association of Veterinary Technicians. She is incoming president of a Vectin, um, which is the Veterinary Technicians of Emergency and Critical Care. If you guys didn't know, they added an N to the acronym. And she is current director of nursing development for veterinary emergency groups. So this lady stays busy, but she is a colleague that I serve with on Pride VMC and is doing so much in our industry to advocate and educate in our industry on inclusion. And so because of that, we are so proud and so excited to have Erin Spencer with us today. Welcome, Erin. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited to talk about pronouns and pride. Well, Erin, it's important, right? And, and I want to, first of all, just say thank you for all the efforts that Pride VMC is doing because you've really done a great job at promoting this. I think there's more awareness this year, this month than ever before. So congratulations. Thank you. I agree. It's, I, I've seen so many uh groups that are working directly with Pride and so many groups that maybe aren't officially partners with us that really have embraced Pride this year. And I, it's, it warms my heart to see that embrace. It's the first step towards true diversity and inclusion in our profession. It really is. And as I mentioned in the intro, you know, you, we need to sometimes set aside time. We need to declare things official so that we can recognize it. And I think it's important to note a little bit about the history of Pride Month, at least as I understand it. And, you know, this really goes back to 1969, Aaron, you know, in, in June of 1969, the Stonewall Riots, everybody's probably familiar with that, when police brutalized, you know, people that were going to different gay bars in Greenwich, New York. And, and of course, riots ensued and a lot of change came out of that. And, and then 30 years later, in 1999, uh, President, then President Bill Clinton declared June as a celebration of pride. And so we've had it officially declared a few times other, other than that. Uh, Barack Obama did it all during his tenure. And of course, Joe, President Joe Biden just did it... Uh, this month. So I think that's really important also to note, right? I mean, this is official. Yeah, it, having it announced at the top level of government in our country really kind of puts you on the map and says, hey, you got to pay attention to this. And, and to have um, it, to have that back and to have uh, President Biden kind of make that statement again, I think was um, a good thing to get back to, but also really important for right now for us to have had that statement made and for that declaration for Pride Month again. So um, at the sake of being overly political, what I hear you saying is the last four years, there was not an official declaration. So for you and personally, um, how how 
did that feel so that we can just kind of understand and reflect and empathize with how the last four years felt in in the entire population with it not being official? Yeah, I, I think I can only speak just a teeny portion. Um, I, I always half jokingly, but it's not really a joke to say that I'm the I'm the hidden part of the LGBTQ community. I'm the bisexual woman who married uh, married into a heterosexual relationship. So for me, like I, I don't live those, some of the, the things that others within our community have to live with every day because I, for lack of a better word, pass. Right. right. Um, but for people, you know, I have family members that are non-binary. I have close friends that are um, gay and lesbian and, and married. And they not only um, weren't able to have that pride month. That was just kind of the, the culmination and the tip of the iceberg at the same time as to what they've struggled with for the last four years. Um, you know, I, I have friends and relatives who have wondered if their longstanding marriages were going to still hold. And so again, like at the risk of getting too political, um, having just this, it's seemingly such a small gesture to have president Biden make that announcement this year, but after the four years we've been through and the potential worries people have had and not having that announcement, it just seems, you know, to some may seem so little, but that announcement was huge coming back. Yeah, it really is. These small steps make a big difference. You know, I, at the risk of, of sounding, you know, like a broken record sometimes, but, you know, Becky, even when I was doing my political campaign for state Senate here in North Carolina, you know, I was the only candidate to show up at a, at a, um, LBGTQ uh, plus uh, church service, right? You know, it, it's it's the small yeah. little steps sometimes that just show, hey, we acknowledge. So, so Aaron, let's let's kind of you know one take a, a second to say congratulations, well done. But there's a lot of work to be done. <laughs> okay, yeah. yes. so so the first <laughs> thing I'd like to to just sort of start off the conversation with today is, you know, what is the state, you know, of sort of how the veterinary profession is acknowledging, dealing with, accommodating, helping, assisting, being an ally with people in the LBGTQ uh, plus uh, community? So I think Pride VMC is, is kind of leading that way and providing support for these groups and kind of helping with our partners, which are, you know, some of the larger industries, industry partners to kind of introduce and set that stage. And I think um, what we're doing lends into the whole profession. There's efforts all across the board to, um, look at what, where, why don't we have diversity? I guess I'll start there. Yeah, why is yeah. there not diversity? And, uh, you know, groups like a- AVMA and AAVMC are, are leading that charge to look at both. Why don't we have it? What can we do to improve it? And how do we, um, you know, we're starting to recognize that it starts in practices. It, to some extent, it starts at the school level, but it also, you know, in practices, we don't have um, maybe practices that look like the people that want to be coming in, whether it's LGBTQ or otherwise. And so I think, um, you know, there's a lot of different groups, including Pride BMC as part of that kind of setting that stage for how can practices be more inclusive? How can we become more diverse? And, um, you know, starting to teach those things, what that means. So things like using, using people's proper pronouns, um, put, you know, kind of putting your, putting your, not just the, flags on the walls once a month, or excuse me, one month a year, but also kind of taking that really what that means and running with it all year. Um, and, and so I think there's a lot of support both from Pride DMC and a lot of others in the industry to really start to help support both um, bringing more diversity in to our schools, but also to 
to kind of bring resources to the clinics themselves um, and help grow from there. We definitely want to make sure um, Dane Whitaker and Mia Carey are acknowledged in, in all of the work that they're doing with Pride VMC. And I just want to say, like, if you are not a member, be a member, if not just for the pin. The pin is adorable. You get a little, like, thank you card. It's probably one of the nicest greetings I've ever gotten from any organization I've joined. And there are so many resources and events. So if you are looking for more resources, they have these, you know, uh, monthly group Zooms where you can talk and listen and learn. I mean, they're they're such a strong resource and growing um, in the industry. So I just kind of want to shout, like you said, there's lots of groups, but I think Pride VMC is really doing a great job and make sure that you know that if you are an ally, you can join as well. Okay, so Aaron, that's a great jumping off point because one of the things I wanted to talk to you today about is the proper use of pronouns in the clinic. And I know that, I mean, there are some veterinarians and owners and managers out there and colleagues that just are like, well, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna do that. Explain to us why this is important and why we should respect those choices. I think the the, the bottom line is it's it's respecting who a person is. Uh, you know, as pronoun proper pronoun use kind of started to come out and be something that people were um, publicizing out there, there was the term preferred pronouns. And that's really gone away. They're not preferred. It's the person's pronouns. And so I, I, I don't want to say understood, but I could put myself in the shoes of somebody that being explained, these are somebody's preferred pronouns saying, okay, but I prefer not to call you them. And that's, but that, not that that's right. right, but I understood them not really seeing it as, um, you know, it's, it's a different name and our, you know, and I'm not going to call them that different name, which still shouldn't be the case, but I saw it, but it's not just a, a choice. It's who that person is. And so, um, you know, much like somebody that goes by he pronouns and considers themselves a male or a man or however you want to term it, maybe not comfortable if someone suddenly started referring to that person as ma'am or, (laughs) you know, or, or she, it's that same thing. You know, somebody that identifies as non-binary does not identify necessarily as she or he, or maybe identifies as both on some level. And so using they is, or some other pronoun is where they feel um, really comfortable and, um, it's what's important just because of the fact that it's to be able to, you know, it's who that person is, but it makes them feel comfortable. And so if you are, if you are in a practice where you're refusing to accept those, then you're not, then you're refusing, you're, you're actively saying you don't care about your, your team member or your client or whoever it is, you don't care about their comfort and their inclusion in your practice. And so that's why they're important. So that was a huge problem for me because being from the South, I tend to use Miss prior to someone I perceive as female from looking at them. And at some point in time, about, I guess, like two years ago, maybe three years ago, I was like, oh, my God. And and it became it was almost like a thing you knew that was going to happen when you talked to me. If you know me, you knew that I, I greeted everybody that way. And now I've had to kind of break it up and try to stop. So I'm not insinuating. And I've even gone back if I've said it to someone and said, I'm sorry, I don't mean to assume your pronouns. So 
Real quick, can you tell us what the recovery looks like? Because <laughs> when we do something wrong, we freak out, right? Like, and then we're like, what do we do? So can you kind of help us with um, when we mess up? What is the best thing to do? And for people who feel a, a little awkward or, or un uncomfortable asking, what's that look like to get to someone's comfort zone? Yeah. So the first, the first and easiest way for me that I, that I look at, if I want to know what somebody's pronouns are, the best way for me to start is, hi, I'm Erin. I use, you know, I, my pronouns are she, hers. And I've had to get used to switching from the I use to that mine are, but um, introducing myself with my own pronouns. So, hi, I'm Erin. My pronouns are she, her, hers. And that opens the door that that other person you know, you did it back to that kind of inclusivity point. You just kind of sent a, a, you know, a message without being stating the obvious that I'm open to whatever you're going to put in as your pronouns, right? If I wasn't, I wouldn't have said that. Um, and so it kind of opens up, but it also kind of avoids that awkwardness. Hopefully they're able to, they, they respond in kind and then, you know, um, but if you don't get there or you do make a misstep, it's definitely not the end of the world. If you use a pronoun for, you know, you mispronoun somebody um, and they correct you, it's just like any other, you know, honest mistake that's made. I apologize. Uh, and, and I've even said to somebody, um, I, I had somebody that for some reason, I was totally honest. I said, this is no excuse. For some reason, I am just not getting it today. I, I, I don't know if I'm exhausted. I don't know what it is. Please continue to correct me every time I make that mistake. And just kind of own that you made a mistake. You know, be sincere that you're apologetic and move on and try try to do better you know, the next time. Yeah, and yeah. I think for most for most people, um, that's that's okay. You know, I, I think back I, I, to personally looking back a, a couple times in my life with different um, different style choices I've made over time. Uh, I've definitely been called he, sir, and him before, and. To me, that's no different than than uh, you know, kind of misgendering or or mis mispronouning someone with a they that, that you know is prefers they. It's you you made a mistake on what it was. I never got upset with someone that did that. I just corrected them and we moved on. And I, I think people get worried a lot more when it's um, talking about someone that is outside of that binary he and she. Um, but it's the same response. I'm so sorry. Um, you know, thank you for correcting me and move on from there. Uh, but starting with introducing yourself with your pronouns helps open that door to not get there. Okay. You know, so Aaron, for me, I, I get it. Like you, we apologize, we do our best, we introduce ourselves as the, the pronoun that we want to be you know, called by. Where I have a problem is when that person insists on referring to you as whatever pronoun they've designated or perceive, you know, that's where it gets disrespectful and, and quite frankly, harmful, right? Yeah, I think if someone insists on on kind of calling you a pronoun that you don't identify with, um, and that is not who you are, it it becomes that uncomfortable continue continuing to um, correct. And at some point, there has to just be a very real like you are not re in a very real conversation, and you are not respecting um, who I am. Um, or what I, you know, what, what I am, who I am, you know, and, and how I am living my life and how, what my true self is. And so when that happens, I think really there, there eventually needs to be, you know, if you we were talking in a practice setting, you know, a coworker's doing this, 
there has to be a, a safe space. And that's really what I think Pride DMC kind of talks a lot about with our partners is making sure that that, um, that, that practice structure gives that person that, I mean, that's discrimination and that's harassment. And so if, if it continues, there needs to be a place where that person can file that formal complaint unfortunately. And and that's what I wanted to follow up on because I hear stories too frequently. And I know Becky, you do as well. And I'm sure Aaron does where literally there's a coworker who refuses and sort of I, I, the term bullying gets thrown around too much these days, but really they, this is a harassment bullying situation and they just continue to insist and, and they're breaking laws now. I mean, I, I want to be clear, right, Aaron? I mean, this is, this is, you cannot tolerate this. I mean, you shouldn't have to tolerate this. You, you can't tolerate that. And, yeah. and I think there's there's that level, like I said, that you correct and, and you work with that person. And, and when it becomes clear that this person absolutely already knows better um, and it and just doesn't care or stay, you know, tells that outright. Right. Uh, yeah. I mean, that that is harassment and that needs to be um, that needs to be reported and and handled. Um, and I unfortunately, I think for every practice where that is handled well and properly, there's probably still practices that you don't know how to handle it or are uncomfortable handling it. And so it doesn't get dealt with and you lose a start, you lose a, a great team member because they, they were being harassed and in a hostile situation. So along that coworker line, let's flip the narrative to a supportive team for mm-hmm. our LGBT. Q plus community that you know supports us here at Veterinary Viewfinder that is maybe um, has not expressed themselves in the way that they feel the most comfortable. Do you have advice for how to go to management or for a practice to um, if you know we have managers who are listening who have someone come to them that wants to change their known pronouns within the clinic? Um, what does that look like? Like you we throw a memo on the cork board? Do we have a whole meeting <laughs> yeah. about it? Like what's the best way to go about that in in the clinic setting? That's a great question. That is a great question. Yeah. So someone who's kind of whether it's it's changing pronouns, whether it's someone transitioning, um, whatever it is, uh, I think it's it, it really depends on the individual. Some people are going to want to do it just very quietly and let it organically happen over time. And if it's, you know, not make a big deal about it. And so we don't want to make a big deal about it and make them even more uncomfortable than they may already be feeling. Um, I I think it's really the first piece is having that conversation. If somebody comes to you and says, uh, you know, I'm ready to use they, them pronouns. And I, you know, I want to change that or, you know, to take it that one step further, I'm transitioning, you know, I'm transgender, I'm going to begin transitioning. I think that that next question is, okay, that's great. How do we support you and what do you need from us? And, and let them direct that. Um, I think sometimes there's the, the, the big thing, it, it, the big thing you want to avoid is making it their issue and their problem to fix. Uh, so you don't want to say kind of tell us how to do it, but you want to say what what will make you feel comfortable? You know, what what can we do for you? Um, and for some people, yeah, it might be a, you know, coming out party at the next staff meeting. <laughs> you know, that's pick great. That one. Please um, pick that one. I want I know, everyone Be- to pick that one. <laughs> <laughs> Becky, I knew Becky would want that one. Um, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. And, and it may be that. And I would love that, you know, that supportive 
that supportive feeling, but if it isn't kind of respecting how they want to do it and someone may want to make it as simple as I'm going to give a slight plug here, but someone might want to make it as simple as buying a pronoun clip, which pride BMC sells (laughs) all our proceeds go to our student chapter, but it has your pronouns. You put it on your stethoscope and they're right right there. And that's a way that someone then could just quietly do it and let people come to them to say, oh, hey, what's this about? Why don't you tell me about it? So I think that there's a wide range of how it would get approached. You know, Aaron, unfortunately, I do. I keep I hear more challenges and what I hear. And I've heard this exact scenario now multiple times over the past couple of years. And it goes like this. The manager is is really saying, I don't know how to do this. This is your problem. Like, I don't it's not for me to tell Mm -hmm. the staff your new pronouns or your new gender. I mean, you know, I'm the boss here. I deal with the vet stuff. And I keep I keep hearing that. Right. They go, I plead ignorance. Therefore, it's not my responsibility. And again, I don't think that's correct. So any, again, any advice to that management? I, I know that you've, you've said, hey, it's, it's really up to them and the individual, but I mean, I don't believe the manager, the boss can just shirk responsibility in this. No. And I think that's a key point of kind of, um, that message I was, I was trying to get across, you know, I've spent a lot of years in a lot of roles, including management and, what I've always taken away is my primary job as a manager is to make sure my team is supported in whatever way that is um, within reason. <laughs> but right, right. I, I think um, that is, you know, when it kind of led to the last, last scenario I gave that question of what do you need for me? How can I help? There isn't an option at the end of that to say, oh no, that's, that's beyond my comfort level, right? Like if you don't know what that is, or if that person says to you, I I don't know, that's why I'm coming to you. That becomes a team effort. Okay. Let's figure this out together. And it's okay as a manager. It is so okay as a manager to admit you don't know what it isn't. Okay. Is to say, I don't know, and I'm not going to learn. So if you are a manager and you are uncomfortable, there are resources Pride VMC is always willing to help, uh, kind of help work through those things. Um, AAVMC has has some resource guides. VMAE, I think, is coming out with some, uh, which is great. They're, you know, managers um, or, you know, account executives, and, and they, they have that as well. Um, they're coming. Some of those resources are there. Some of them are coming. And if people have questions, reaching out to groups like Pride VMC, um, you know, is, the, is a first step that we can help direct you down the right path. Yeah, and viewfinders will include links to these resources that Aaron is talking about uh, in the show notes below. And, and you know, Aaron, one of the things that gives me so much hope and optimism is because I have two daughters that are in college; they're Gen Z. And they get it like this is just normal life. Like, you know, I do think there are huge generational you know, chasms. I think that if you look at boomers, older you know, people, I mean, this is alien, foreign to them. They resist seem to me. Most of them seem to be very resistant to a lot of these these issues. And then when you jump down to the to the kids in their late teens, you know, they're like, what are you talking about? What's the big deal? Yeah, I, I agree. We, if, Unfortunately, I've been dealing with this on a, a somewhat personal level in the last week. I serve in the town council for my town and um, there was there was a lot a, a, a lot of drama that ensued when um, one of our libraries tried to celebrate Pride Month with a drag queen drag queen story hour. And so I'll, I'll save all the drama. But last night we had our town council meeting where a lot of the public showed up on both sides of the issue um, to kind of talk in our public forum. And I personally felt the most impactful um, response or statement was um, 
a, a woman came up and she said, I actually don't, you know, I have things I can say, but my 14 year old daughter was upset. She couldn't come speak for herself. So she um, recorded this and they, she played this 14 year old, like just nailing it. Like she got, she got it. Like if we can, if we are inclusive, the more inclusive we are, the more inclusive people feel. And the more we have people that are happy and we have happy communities and we have, and that leads to successful and fulfilling communities. And she just kind of nailed that. Um, but I will also say that to kind of the point that that, that generation gets it, but that generation that gets it, is educating their parents and, you yeah. know, generations like mine, um, that I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm Gen X and I think we're somewhere in the middle, yeah, <laughs> to yeah. be honest, yeah. of where we, where we get and where we don't. And, but those of us that do are educating our boomer parents. And then you have your boomer parents that get it, that then start to educate their boomer friends too. And, and any generation, I, I always hate to come down on the boomers too much, but I think that I, um, to kind of segue on a little tangent here though, that's where our allies come in. Yeah. yeah. And our allies mm-hmm. are probably the most important, um, the most important part of having true inclusivity for the LGBTQ plus community. Uh, it's sometimes hard for somebody who quote disagrees with the lifestyle. There's a million things wrong with that statement, but you know, but we, we know that that's often what you hear, right. From someone that totally doesn't get it. And so that person's not going to sit down with, uh, you know, a, a transgender individual or a gay person and and have that conversation. Um, but when their buddy, who they play golf with every Friday, says, "Hey, guess what? My daughter just told me she's a lesbian yesterday." that conversation is meaningful and they're going to listen because they can put themselves in their buddy's shoes. Right. And how they're going to have to deal with it. And so I think how to have those allies and how the allies handle things is just the key to all of this. I think you make such a good point too, in terms of just, we just need to talk more about our own personal situations. This is nothing that anybody should feel uncomfortable about. And it makes me sad to think that somebody wouldn't sit down with somebody different from them in any kind of way. And it kind of made me think about just sort of plugging those Harvard implicit bias tests. If you've never been over there, you've never taken them and you're just sort of thinking through like, well, even if you think you don't have implicit bias, go take them and you'll learn kind of where you fall. Um, I actually tilt toward the LGBTQ community in preference. And so I I prefer to be around people who are not straight, apparently, according to Harvard. Um, And these are really, these are important things, I think, just to keep your eyes open and and your awareness. You don't have to go around telling everybody that your scores, but it is something to think about in terms of where you need to broaden your mind. Well, you know, Aaron, I know you've got to go and I really appreciate you taking time with us today because you're super busy uh, as most veterinary professionals are these days. Any last bits of advice or just anything you'd like to say to the viewfinder family about how we can be better allies and be more inclusionary? So I think the the advice is to just accept somebody for who they are. If they if they come to you, uh, accept that. And and sometimes you know even myself, somebody maybe is coming from a different place in in life than I am. I I have to accept who they are and then figure out on my own how to deal with my problem because it is it is my issue if I don't if I don't understand them or have trouble with accepting and I need to just get there. So accepting people for who they are and understanding we all come from different um, places and really respecting, respecting someone, whether it's their pronouns, whether it's their, um, 
way they dress, whatever it is, you know, accepting who they are. Uh, that's really my, my biggest uh, tip. And if you aren't sure how to do that, go from, you know, get, get some resources. Gosh, I love that. And I got to admit, Viewfinders uh, had a song stuck in my head the past few days. People are people, so why should it be you and I should get along so awfully? Beautiful words and beautiful song by Depeche Mode, but it sums up what Erin Spencer is all about because she is trying to help us understand how we can get along and love each other more. So thank you so much for your time and thank you so much for your efforts to bring a little more joy and love and compassion. Thank you so much, Erin. Thank you for having me. Well, Viewfinder family, we want to hear how you're celebrating Pride Month. What have your experiences been with pronouns in the workplace? And what are you doing to be a better ally for those people that need it? Reach out to us on social media. Where can they reach out on social media, Becky? You know, you guys can find us over at Veterinary Viewfinder on Facebook, on Instagram at Veterinary Viewfinder. And you can tweet at Dr. Ernie over at Vet Viewfinder. And if you guys get a chance, we always appreciate that. Click to subscribe, a few stars and words. It helps make sure that we get this podcast out to the people who need to hear it and are looking for more education in podcast land. That's it for this time. Have a great Pride Month. Thank you again to Aaron Spencer and Pride DMC. Have an amazing week. Bye. 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 <laughs> nice. <laughs> well, listen, thank you. Thank you.